0: Hey, folks, Joyce Vance here. With Republicans now controlling a majority of the House of Representatives, a number of committees are set to launch investigations into the Biden administration. Already, committee chairs have announced investigations into the Biden-classified documents matter, the alleged politicization of the Justice Department, and a potential impeachment inquiry into Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Meanwhile, FBI investigators recently searched Biden's Wilmington home and found additional classified documents. In other news, a New Mexico district attorney is poised to charge actor Alec Baldwin with involuntary manslaughter for allegedly shooting and killing a cinematographer on the set of the movie Rust in 2021. And the Supreme Court announced that its internal investigation failed to identify who leaked the Dobbs draft opinion, which overturned Roe v.ersus Wade. Preet Bharara and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership for just $1 for one month. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the Insider community.
1: So there's another huge legal story That's gotten a lot of attention in the last week that some expected was coming, but it's still surprising to some other folks, and we'll see how it plays out. And that is the charging decision with respect to Alec Baldwin, who was involved. I'm going to choose my verbs carefully because we haven't had a trial yet. Who's involved in the shooting of two people on the set of a movie in New Mexico. And we have a very pithy question from a listener in a tweet from Melinda, who says, I don't understand why Alec Baldwin was charged in movie set shooting. I only expected the armorer to be charged. Please explain. Now, one procedural question I have for you, Joyce, first. Alec Baldwin has not yet been charged. The announcement has been made by the district attorney that the decision has been made and that he will be charged and another person who's associated with the movie will be charged. What's up with the process by which you announce the charge in advance without bringing the charge? Do you know?
0: This is new to me. This is this is sort of a foreign <laughs> procedure.
1: I've never heard, which is why this, this the, the person who asked the question assumes that the charge has been made, but it hasn't been.
0: It hasn't been. And in fact, what happens here is the prosecutor will present it to a judge and they'll hold a hearing where the judge will determine whether or not there's probable cause to proceed. I don't know all the ins and outs of that procedure. It seems unusual to me. So I guess we'll all have to watch and play along.
1: So the charge that is expected, the main charge, is involuntary manslaughter. And there's a second charge relating to the use of a firearm in connection with the first charge. Let's read the statute from New Mexico. Let's go to the statute, as they say.
0: You know, like I tell my students, right? Criminal law is statutory law. You have to always start with the statute.
1: Involuntary, this is a quote, involuntary manslaughter consists of manslaughter committed in the commission of an unlawful act, not amounting to felony, or in the commission of a lawful act, which might produce death in an unlawful manner, or without due caution and circumspection. You want to uh, translate that?
0: Yeah, I, I think we should actually back up a little bit and just say that manslaughter is part of this range of homicide crimes. Homicide is any unlawful death that occurs. And so you can have murder, which is definitionally going to be an intentional killing, sometimes that's phrased as a murder that's committed with actual malice, which means either the intent to kill or such extreme recklessness towards the risk that you might take someone's life that it's tantamount to intent. So that's murder. Different states have different statutes that divide murder into different degrees. But that's, in essence, what goes on there. And then you have manslaughter, which—and this statute uses the same language that federal statutes in many states use—it says it's an unlawful killing that takes place without actual malice, so without the intent to kill. So in this area of homicide, we're looking at a different type of a death, still an unlawful one, and this statute, which is a little bit confusing has, I would view it as being two different crimes, but I think the prosecutors here actually see it as three different potential routes to conviction. The first is what I would call misdemeanor manslaughter. There's a murder equivalent of that called felony murder that people may be familiar with from some of the cases that we've looked at over the years. That's a defendant who's committing another crime doesn't necessarily have the intent to kill, but a death occurs during the commission of that felony. You have a bank robbery where a a guard is shot and killed. Everybody who's a co-conspirator for the bank robbery is on the hook for that murder, although there are some variations in local statutes. I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush, but, but that's felony murder. Here you've got misdemeanor murder, and this is the portion of the statute where it says, Involuntary manslaughter consists of manslaughter committed in the commission of an unlawful act not amounting to a felony. So something we know off the bat is that these statutes aren't written in plain English. And then there's this second phrase following the or, which is what we're interested in here. Or in the commission of a lawful act which might produce death in an unlawful manner. I think that here is handling the gun on set and and ultimately what takes place, or without due cause and circumspection. And that's a sort of a gross negligence sort of a theory. Prosecutors here have suggested that they will present both of those charges to the judge for consideration.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the person whose question I read earlier, and lots of other reasonable people, believe that no one is above the law, and if you're rich and famous, and you've committed a crime, you should be held accountable and be prosecuted for it. But there is this buzzing question of how Alec Baldwin could be guilty of one of these things if he was relying on other people. I don't know all the facts yet, but if he was relying on other people telling him that the gun was cold, meaning it did not have live ammunition. And if it was the responsibility of other people to make sure that the weaponry on the set was cold. Part of what's going on here is something that Alec Baldwin himself has said repeatedly in public and in interviews. And that is he never even pulled the trigger. And I guess there's an FBI report or some of the law enforcement report that the DA has obtained that concludes it would be impossible for the gun to fire unless the trigger was pulled. And since this was a movie set, people were taking video. It's my understanding that Alec Baldwin is seen pulling the trigger or looks like he's pulling the trigger Do you think that has something to do with the decision to charge here, that he has a story that maybe is rebuttable based on forensic evidence and videotape?
0: You know, that might be, although that seems awfully slim pickings to me. And one of the problems here that prosecutors will face, and the prosecutor has said they do not know how live ammunition got on the set.
1: Well, that's a big deal. Right? That's a big and deal.
0: And you've got to convince this jury of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. You have to convince on this gross negligence theory beyond a reasonable doubt. I agree with you that's tough. And and here's what I wonder, we don't know this yet. Prosecutors may be more focused on Baldwin's role as a producer than as an actor here. And there has been reporting that there were concerns on the set about gun safety before the incident took place, that somebody involved in the production team actually left and wrote a letter talking about concerns. And we know that one of the other people involved, the film's assistant director, David Halls, has already agreed to plead guilty. So perhaps they've gotten some information from him. Based on the public record, though, it's real tough to see how they expect to get a conviction here.
1: Yeah. So th- this question. I want to focus on for a minute because it goes to how trials unfold and how juries think about cases and how verdicts are rendered. And that is the question of how the live rounds wound up on set and then wound up in the weapon. The district attorney who's been doing a lot of talking about the case, even though it hasn't even been brought yet, said with respect to the question of the live rounds that that likely won't be answered. So they don't know and they don't think they can find out And she said, quote, I don't think it matters to the crux of the matter, which is that they got into a gun and then the trigger was pulled in that gun while it was pointed at Halena Hutchins, who's the victim here. And my response to that is, I guess that's kind of true. It's arguable, but maybe you'll disagree with this. It's arguable as a technical legal matter with respect to the elements of the crime, that that need not be understood or known. But the way, in my experience, juries operate is it's relevant to the story. It's relevant to completing the picture. Jurors want completeness. And even though we say again and again and again, I write this in my book, that motive is not an essential part of proving the elements of a crime, except with some exceptions like hate crimes. Juries want to know the motive. They want to understand, was was something a crime of passion? Was something a crime of greed? What was going on here? What were the relationships? And jurors will want to know the answer to the question, how did the live rounds get on set? And is there someone more responsible because someone did that either with gross negligence who isn't charged or for some nefarious purpose because they were trying to have some bad thing happen? What do you think about the gap here with respect to the live rounds?
0: I just think it's almost impossible to get beyond proof without a reasonable doubt unless there's something that we don't know about at play here. And, you know, here's the problem. I think it's actually more than just motive in this case. And whether there's somebody else out there, I think it may go to prosecutors' ability to prove causation. Because when you establish any kind of a homicide case, you've got to prove that your defendant caused the death, right, in, as sort of it was both the proximate cause and the cause in fact. And here you've got multiple defendants who have varying shares of responsibility. You've got this big, wide-open question of how the hell there was live ammunition on the set. You've got the guy pleading guilty who called cold gun. This is just like the, you know, if you were trying to write a law school exam showing a situation where there was reasonable doubt, this might be it. And it's worth noting, you know, the prosecutor was elected in 2020 But she's not inexperienced. She's worked as both a prosecutor and a defender in the system in New Mexico. So she may well know, and this is so often true when prosecutors indict cases, she may have more evidence than what we're aware of from current reporting. We may learn more about that when she goes through this anomalous presentment procedure where she has to convince a judge to let her move ahead with the charges.
1: Do you think, as lots of people are speculating, that it's an uphill battle? The the prosecutor, by her rhetoric and tone, seems quite confident.
0: So the prosecutor was interviewed on CNN, and she told them that there were a number of factors um, that contributed to the decision, but she specifies a lack of safety, standards on the set, live rounds on the set, mixed in with regular dummy rounds, and she's not going to be able to answer the question of how they got there, or who's responsible. There are people other than Baldwin who checked, who loaded, who called the gun cold. It just does not look like a case where you can get a conviction.
1: There's one other factor here we haven't mentioned yet. They have a witness who's part of the movie who's cooperated. And I don't think we know all the details of that person's testimony, but that must be a factor as well in support of bringing the case.
0: Well, and it's interesting whether that involves pulling the trigger or whether it involves Baldwin's role as the producer and whether somehow he set up procedures that would have let this sort of a situation occur. Boy, that seems like a tough road to hoe, though, doesn't it? It
1: does to me, but, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm doing the thing that I never liked that people did with respect to my cases, and I'm sure you felt the same way. You know, drawing odds about the likelihood of success, you don't know unless you know all the facts. You know what the witnesses are going to say, how credible they are. We as armchair critics here just don't know it all, but it does seem a little bit lighter than what you would expect in a high-profile case like this.
0: You know, this is the the lowest level charge in the homicide spectrum, This this involuntary manslaughter charge. But it still requires proof of negligence and of causation. And so it will be interesting to see what her case looks like when we learn more. But it's going to be a tough case.
1: And by the way, there has been a settlement, a monetary settlement, with the victim's family in a wrongful death lawsuit. Want to explain to people whether or not the jury in the criminal case will learn about that?
0: So they won't. But the tort lawsuit, I think was a much easier case, not, not just because there's a lower burden of proof. Obviously, the burden of proof there is preponderance of the evidence, not beyond a reasonable doubt, but because there was so clearly in the civil setting some form of negligence that occurred. This death could not have occurred without negligence, and that's easier in that civil setting. In a criminal setting, proving one individual was responsible beyond a reasonable doubt is very different
1: also recall there was not a trial in the civil lawsuit. The parties agreed to reach a settlement in advance of trial. So even though you're correct, that proving liability in a civil case on a thesis of negligence would have been easier to come by. We still don't even know if that would have been successful. But as often happens in civil cases, you
0: settle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good bet that the folks who were involved in production looked at the lawsuit and said, you know, we're going to lose. Let's go ahead and settle. Let's do the right thing.
1: So we'll obviously follow how the Alec Baldwin trial goes, but that'll be a ways away. But first, we'd like to see what additional evidence there is, and maybe that will leak out uh, over the next days and weeks. Now, let's conclude, Joyce, if you will, with the highest court in the land and a report issued by the Supreme Court relating to the findings from... an.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode head to cafe.com insider and try out the membership for just $1 for one month. That's cafe.com insider. To the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.